You're listening to Partnernomics Podcast, where we discuss the art and science of developing successful strategic partnerships. To learn more about the suite of Partnernomics solutions, visit Partnernomics.com. Welcome back to another episode of Partnernomics Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Brigman. And on today's show, we have Mr. Peter Lee Johansson with us. Peter's joining us from the other side of the world, from Norway. Peter, how are you doing? I guess this afternoon for you. <laughs> Hi, Mark. I'm doing good. Thank you for having me here. Yeah, so Peter is the Senior Vice President and the Head of Strategic Partnerships for DNB Bank um, out, of, uh, out of Norway. So Peter's there running their uh, partnering initiatives, and man, they have some really good stuff going on, as, as we've heard uh, just, man, the whole fintech space, technology in general fascinates me, but the fintech space, I can't really think of many industries that are being transformed as fast or the way that the banking industry um, is being transformed right now. So this will be a really fun, really lively conversation. But Peter, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, Mark. Looking forward to it. How did you get into banking? You know, somebody may uh, may assume that you went to college and got a, a degree in finance or accounting or something like that. And you spent your time in banking to, to, to climb the ladder, to get to where you are now leading all the partnerships. But uh, tell us, what was the route that you took to get there? Yeah, no, I I'm, and def definitely don't see myself as a banker. Um, so I, I have more like a technology background. Um, uh, yeah, coming off from the university uh, here in Norway and also studying Munich, we, um, yeah, it started out for, for me actually in startups. Um, so um, yeah, coming off from university, I wanted to create something of my own, uh, building my own startup. Um, uh, this was back in 2006. Uh, we uh, we um, jumped on the internet wave, uh, created like um, applications for mobile phones. Um, didn't worked that well and had some good learnings though uh, but took the step into the corporate world uh, become an assistant to the CEO of a telecom company uh, so um, wanted to learn as much as I could from the corporate world and then take the step back into startup world again but uh, actually did quite well in the in the corporate world as well enjoyed that got a product management role uh, and uh, was had on for this um, telecom company to, to Telenor, which is one of the leading telecom companies, having up all the products for one of their um, telecom operators. Um, and from there, I got the chance to go into partnership. Um, and uh, I was not sure what that actually mean, but from a product side, I always liked like, of course, existing products, uh, but always the, had some urge to find a new uh, business opportunities for the companies that I work for. So I was uh, yeah, convinced by one of the, the top leaders in, in Telenor to join the partnership team and uh, never regret it. And build uh, up like their partnership team from like two and a half person to a team of 25. And then I was recruited then into banking to kind of do the same journey there. So um, that's how I ended up there. Awesome. Well, Peter, I want to dig in a little bit more about your entrepreneurial journey. Tell us a little bit. Uh, tell us a little bit more about that. So you had built a software application that you're looking to put on mobile phones. Is that correct? 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so I had a, like an engineering background where I did a mixture between programming and the economy. Um, we we uh, I actually worked for another startup at that time, uh, creating like games for uh, feature phones and like the old Nokia's. Uh, you know, they barely had a color phone and very little memory. Uh, and uh, yeah, we had an idea. It was quite similar to TripAdvisor, but uh, yeah. But uh, quite early on, and um, we, 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 me and my, some of my study pals, we, 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 we launched this idea in Germany because that was the biggest market in Europe. Uh, we were, uh, yeah, we won a lot of prizes, and it went really well actually until uh, the finance crisis 2008 and the funding stopped and all that stuff. But uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, as you know, being an entrepreneur, that, that, that's, that's an experience and something that also benefits you when you enter into the copy world. Yeah, no question. No question. Well, Peter, tell us a little bit about DNB Bank, uh, about the, the bank itself. You know, how old is it? How big is it? Where uh, is it? You know, where, where, where are your clients? Where do you geographically serve? And then how do partnerships fit into it? Yeah, so DNB Bank is not that many people outside of the Nordic region have heard about it, I guess, but we are the largest financial institution in, in Norway and the second largest in, in the Nordic entire market cap. We have international offices around the globe, but uh, mainly following international clients overseas, but we are world leading in shipping and energy and a few other close to Norwegian industries. Um, uh, but yeah, uh, so DMB, is the incumbent bank uh, very old, but uh, we are in a market where it's very digitalized and um, and it's it's a closeness between governments uh, and uh, and uh, the different corporates and so on, and uh, which makes the landscape for partnership uh, very good. It, it's it's a high trust among the citizens in the Nordic region, I would say. And so, yeah, I think it's a long culture of partnership, but then as a traditional bank, and you mentioned in the beginning, Mark, like uh, we, we have this huge shift now uh, and the speed of shift is so fast that the old mindset is not valid anymore. You, you are not able to create everything yourself. And that, that's where I think partnership comes in um, very strongly. And so, uh, seeing this uh, shift in in requirements from users in technologies um, in in regulations, like we had a huge like, piece of two. I'm not sure if that's something that uh, is that familiar outside of Europe, but that's kind of opening up uh, a lot of the, the data that the bank has to others. Um, these things kind of force the bank to think partnership because we are not able to develop everything ourselves uh, anymore. But uh, yeah, DMB, very exciting um, financial institution um, and um, done some great things within partnership, as you mentioned. Yeah, it's almost like it's uh, following this parallel track of, of traditional retail, you know, where 10 years ago, you know, we, we, we just went down to the, the department store, we grabbed our shirts, our clothing, our shoes, or whatever, and so much of that is happening now electronically. I mean, it's being delivered to our doorsteps, but now we're talking about banking 
in financial services where it's all digital. Um, but we're going from, it seems that, you know, all these physical brick and mortar stores to primarily just going digital. Uh, what is, what is that, what is that looked like Peter from, from your time that you've been in banking? Yeah, no, uh, you, you, you're spot on there. So we, we had uh, a similar transformation as a lot of other industries um, and, like our physical presence, of course, is built on uh, quite a lot, and we we serve most of clients now uh, digital and uh, digital services that is a primary channels in a way. Uh, of course, we still have physical presence and customer service and all that stuff. Uh, but um, yeah, being able to serve the customer digitally is also very efficient in a way. So for for now, we can off a loan so if you want a mortgage you can apply online and get a mortgage within in seconds like that that's that's something that was unheard of just a few years ago uh, but that we can do because the Norwegian society is so digitalized we can get all the documentation that we need from the different institutions and then provide you with a loan within seconds and uh, also for example in real estate uh, so we are the biggest real estate company um, but if you want to sell your property, for example, you um, you can now um, instead of having um, uh, one uh, real estate agent doing this for you, you can do it yourself uh, through a self-serve portal that we we now recently launched. So I think the kind of the opportunities for us uh, in the digital space is humongous. It is huge. So it's a uh, it's exciting, really. Absolutely. It's, uh, you know, we all can ask ourselves, you know, with change, does that bring threats or does it bring opportunities? And I think the answer is yes. It's, it's in the <laughs> eyes of the beholder. Yeah. But look at what banks have gone through, but you can see the banks that have really embraced uh, this new world that they need to create with digital. And you see some just doing very, very, very well for themselves. But to the point that you made earlier, it's very different than what they've done before. You know, so it requires a significant amount of change. Peter, you had mentioned before a little bit about regulations and how regulations are changing. And then obviously the financial uh, markets and institutions across the globe you know, are heavily regulated. Um, but I'd like to have you just speak to that just a little bit more because it sounds like regulations are being adjusted or maybe softened a little bit in some respects that allows banks to to be more digital and to be uh, more capable to share data which is really needed in order to stand up uh, these new services yeah no i think you pointed out quite well that it's a lot of it is about an opportunity and a threat for us um, if you look at the kind of the regulations that is opening up things, uh, a lot of that is uh, like PSD2, which uh, is a new regulation saying that we have to make um, account data available for qualified um, companies that would like that information. So you can access DMB's account information in your surface uh, being, uh, say, uh, Walmart or anyone who wants to make an app and, and wants to show different banks account information they can do that uh, which is something that we probably wouldn't have done if it wasn't for regulation but um, now, now it's there and we, we definitely see opportunity as well um, and then the other thing is that you can for example um, 
do payments. So you can do account payments. So if you are, say, Walmart again, and you don't want to pay all the card schemes a high fee for, uh, for the payments uh, through, for example, MasterCard and Visa, you can do uh, this through the PC2 APIs that we have uh, and do it directly from the bank account. And then you, uh, the fee is um, it's much, much lower than what the card schemes uh, can provide. So, so this is kind of the, the, the dynamics when it comes to regulation, you need to um, shift a lot of business and this open up for competitors. I think what we really feel uh, or not saying destroys or sleep, but uh, what is a little bit unfair, it feels a little bit at least, is that so many actors moving into finance and they, they are kind of eating of our cake. But as a finance institution, you are bound to the, the license that you have as a bank. And within that, it's regulated for certain usage. So we have very limited um, allowance to actually eat outside of what the traditional financial cake is. Um, so so, so that, that's a little bit hard sometimes because you see like uh, car companies, you see uh, big techs, you see all these other players moving into finance, but you are not able to move into their space. That's so interesting because that just screams partnerships to me, you know what I mean? You have to, it seems that if you're, especially if you're a big incumbent bank and if it's fairly limited as to your ability to grow in scope, you know, to go wider, to go outside of your traditional charter, but customers are now asking for demanding these new and, and tangential services that you'd mentioned, real estate being one of those, then you better be able to know how to partner. <laughs> it sounds like yeah, exactly. And uh, I think that that's also a realization we have done. If we want to take a new strategic position, it makes so much sense to partner up with the best company within that field and then um, move in that direction. And so, but yeah, it is, it is a hard balance because a lot of the border also for what you're allowed to do as a bank is not black and white. So you need lawyers as well that is uh, willing to take the risk of challenging the borders uh, and taking a little bit more risk than maybe a bank normally do. Uh, yeah. So Peter, what does, so partnerships in DNB, is there a particular partnering model or something that you have adopted or just the way that you've structured the team or how do you think about partnerships? Yeah, so, we, we talked a little bit about this, Mark, and I think uh, a lot of your thinking, which is more on the business development side, resonates very well with how we think as well. And, and uh, even though we haven't followed the, the framework that you have uh, to the full extent, I think the way we have structured it on an organization based is more, we have a center of excellence uh, on, on a group level, which is my team, which is kind of having a partnership contact in his business unit and we kind of coordinate the whole uh, kind of partnership uh, parts um, across DMB uh, and, and professionalizing from a central unit. Uh, and uh, I think also the, um, the part on uh, different partnerships. So if you look at traditional vendors, we, are don't, we don't look at them as partners. Uh, 
But then again, we, we identify that a lot of the startups, they actually need more like a partnership approach to them because they maybe don't know their own business model that good uh, yet. Uh, they don't know how to handle a big corporate like DMV. So they need like a more close follow up and so on. So my team is supporting a lot of the, the startup vendors uh, kind of uh, relationships that we have, even though it's more like a vendor and not partnerships. And then we have three other types of partnerships that we look into. One is a very light touch partnership, which is more like um, uh, referral or um, more like a marketing stunt. Uh, it could be like a revenue share model where we, we it's a company that need distribution and they use the or distribution uh, channels to, to kind of um, uh, to get their product out there and we get a revenue share. It's a very light touch partnership. We can do it within a day. And then we have like a, a little bit more deeper model, which is a more like a cool development model where we, for example, would like to develop a product or services. And we go work with the companies to, to develop this product or services together with them. And we could take it out to, to the market together or yeah, different models there. Uh, and then we have a co-ownership model, which is what we call the deepest kind of partnership. And that's more like a 50-50% joint venture. Uh, we, 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 we would like to take this position together, say it's a mobility company, and, um, and uh, we, we spin out something together um, uh, and have share ownership in that. Peter, what, uh, from a recruiting perspective, whenever you're trying to figure out which partners to go find and then going through that recruiting process, what is that like from, from your perspective at, at a bank? Oh, yeah, that's that's so hard. Uh, yeah, so various experience with that uh, as well. Um, but yeah, I, I think from your previous podcast, you've been touched upon on uh, how relationship is important, that you are able to connect and make your way the street smartness and, and all that stuff. That's definitely like a quality that uh, I look for. Um, so stakeholder management, uh, also be able to kind of drive projects uh, having but may, maybe the, lately what I really see that you need to have is this stamina you need to kind of be able to bang your head into the wall hundreds of times because like coming up with these ideas bringing it through the organization it, it's really tough so you need to have this persistent and yeah, even if you're not able to to get your idea true, you have to kind of be able to be motivated and jump on the, the next opportunity in a way. So yeah, the, the, you need that persist. If you don't have that mentality, you you won't survive in this role. Uh, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Well, Peter, just a second ago, you had mentioned you know the different types of partnerships or relationships that that your team forms with companies, and one of those you mentioned is a joint venture. Uh, which is obviously includes some equity and some form of legal control. And then obviously your team also has, you know, truly strategic partnerships that are non-equity plays, but it's all about influence and trying to influence each partner and, and getting this uh, proverbial win-win outcome that we're looking for. But from a, from a management perspective and a leadership perspective from your team to these different partners, 
Are there any differences between those two approaches, a joint venture approach, as opposed to a, a strategic partnership approach, a non-equity play? Yeah, there is definitely a difference. Um, so a lot of the more strategic partnerships um, we talk about is maybe the more long-term partnerships that we have. So my team is also more like a key account managers for some of the relations that we have. Um, and there, of course, if it's not a continuous business development, we don't call it partnership, uh, but uh, that's why we are there and we drive that continuous business development. Um, and I think also the strategic partnership part for us is, uh, it's not all about revenue. It could be also more like we do it because it's strategic important in a way. So that, that, that maybe a little bit different from the more joint ventures, but then again, joint ventures are also highly strategic. So um, we don't probably have a, like a very set um, separations between those two. We just look at it as a deeper level of partnership when we also have equity uh, within it. Well, it seems as, as a large incumbent bank, yeah, that's the you know the largest in your country or you really big. You um, you you have to put out solutions that are there to not only protect your base of revenue and base of customers that you have today, but then also grow that. So to your point, um, there's relationships and there's partnerships, there's capabilities that you bring in that's probably not revenue first, or maybe even not revenue first or second, but it's more about just creating the experience, creating the stickiness, keeping the customer base that you have there. And then obviously you would uh, then partner with other companies to bring in new capabilities that, uh, that your customers are looking for, or maybe even it's so early that your customers aren't looking for it yet, but you know that they will be. Talk to okay. us a little bit about technology, fintech, this massive, uh, this massive fintech space that's just continuing uh, to grow. What is it? What is it like from that side? Because whenever I look at your background, being in telecom, being in wireless, being in applications, it's almost like you have more of a fintech background yourself than you do a financial, a traditional financial services background. So it makes perfect sense of why uh, DMB would would bring you in uh, to do this. But talk to us a little bit about technology itself and the fintech space and these new solutions that are coming in. Yeah, I will actually touch upon your, your previous point a little bit before that because uh, it's related. And I, I think from the tech side, um, what we see um, is, for example, the big techs, they, they're really eager to get into, into fintech. And uh, you see Apple Pay, Google Pay, uh, you see Amazon giving out their business loans and so on. And, and one of the protective things and the good things of being in Norway is that Norway and the Nordics are so small markets that these big players don't care about this little pocket that we are in that much. So we are able to kind of watch other markets and the solution they put out there and then do protective measures within Norway. Uh, and I think some of the background that I have from Telecom was actually working with a lot of those big tech companies uh, and also made it interesting for us, or at least to hire me for this role. And, and we kind of saw the same thing in telecom, uh, right, market when they kind of move into Messenger and uh, all this and yeah, challenge the telcos and so, and so on. Uh, but yeah, so, so what we, 
we actually build like the biggest fintech in Norway, now the Nordics, um, not the Nordics, but um, within peer-to-peer -peer is the biggest, uh, called VIPS, uh, which was a protective measure and becoming like the, the, the primarily payment solution uh, in Norway, uh, and also uh, the ID solution um, to kind of cater for the entrance of Apple Pay. So Apple Pay don't have any put, uh, they, they nearly don't have any market share in Norway. So that's interesting. Uh, but I think um, other trends like crypto and, and how these uh, digital banks that is more global are challenges us. They are totally digital, they are global. Uh, and, um, and also the way that a lot of new players are earning the money on different ways than we do. For example, uh, if you're Google, for example, you can earn your money on advertisements and you can give away banking for free, right? So, so having those kind of challengers entering your market, that, that, that's, that's kind of the, yeah, the, call, it, call it fun, but that's some of the, the challenges that we open. Well, Peter, what kind of advice would you have? I know you guys look at, evaluate a lot of different startups and these, uh, these fintech companies that have new solutions. And sometimes, you know, you, you guys, D&B could potentially be the first uh, big company, big, the sumo, the big bank that they would work with. What kind of advice would you have to some of those startup entrepreneurs who are working on fintech solutions? Yeah, if they were, uh, would like to work with DMB, I mean, uh, I'm on LinkedIn, so it would be great if they take uh, contact with me. But uh, uh, we, we really appreciate uh, startups applying for our accelerator program, which we uh, just opened the applications for. Um, and there, it's a very good way for the, the, the companies to kind of um, get to know DMB and also for us to, uh, to get to know them. They will get, uh, if they want, they will get an investment as well. And, uh, it is um, uh, a three months long program, so so that that's definitely one. But uh, either way, if they would like to work with DMB, um, read about DMB and try to come up with some concrete uh, suggestion on how a partnership with DMB could really look like, and then get in touch. Um, that's uh, that's the best advice. Well, Peter, it sounds like some of your partners, um, you guys, will help help get them distribution or you'll, you'll take their product services and then essentially extend it on to, to your clients. But then there's also some partnership opportunities where you will co-create um, some, some different solutions, whether that includes a joint venture or even going outside of the joint venture space, but you'll do some, some co-creation uh, that way as well. Is, is, is that accurate? Yeah, that, that's very accurate. And uh... Uh, I didn't mention that we also have like a venture arm, so we're doing minority stakes as well, so it doesn't have to be like 50% of your company or so on. Um, and, and that we also do in companies that are disrupting us, so basically take a majority investment uh, in fields that we, we think is interesting, for example, crowdfunding and uh, other areas that, uh, that we would like to learn more about. So, so then, so it's different ways to kind of partner up with, with NBA, definitely. Yeah, well, Peter, I'm, I'm fascinated with uh, different companies and man, we, we hear more and more about this, uh, it seems like each week, but you had mentioned your accelerator program. 
and uh, you talked about the accelerator program a little bit, but I'd, I'd like for you, if you would, just share a little bit more about, you know, really what is that program? When did you guys start it? Why did you start it? And and what have you seen for results so far? Yeah, this is uh, our fifth edition, uh, and we partner up with the the best incubator hub in Norway to run this for us. And so it's a cool program with the startup lab uh, in Oslo. And uh, we, 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 we take in up to 10 companies, but we never took 10 companies for us. Quality is the best. So it has to be, uh, we screen um, a lot of companies, um, several hundreds, and then um, we choose, of course, the one that uh, we see some fit with the bank. And uh, it's very well anchored within the top uh, management. So they will get like a sponsor from the group executive management. They will get a, like, um, uh, a mentor uh, from the relevant area uh, and then they will get a, a mentor from from startup lab uh, and then they will go through kind of set process the startup lab has for for kind of uh, accelerating uh, that company and they will also get the option of a one to three million uh, investment um, as well uh, before they start a program so um, for, for us it's uh, resulted in several partnerships uh, and several, no, a few investments as well. So we took um, from a venture fund, we, we took uh, some majority stakes. And uh, for some of the companies, even though they didn't find DMB as a partner, they at least um, have been very successful afterwards because of the help, or at least they say that because of the help that we, we provide them through an accelerate program. And, and so, uh, for us, that has been very successful, I would say. Yeah, that's a great program. I love whenever companies do that. I think uh, as as an entrepreneur, you know, somebody that started six different companies, um, you could learn so much by having the mentorship and being around other people, and especially this opportunity where they have the opportunity to be mentored with and to work with somebody that could be um, either a big incumbent partner for them, or maybe even an, an acquirer if they have the right technology that they're putting out there. So, man, what a, what a great opportunity for companies there. But, Peter, thank you so much for your time. It's been great uh, chatting with you some more, learning more about the great work that you and your team are doing at DMB. And, uh, man, it's going to be fun watching watching the accelerator, watching these great companies come out of this. And, uh, watching the great work that your team does there at DMB. So thank you so much. Thank you, Mark. Thank you for having me. Partnernomics Podcast is brought to you by Partnernomics. Learn how to leverage the power of partnership. To listen to more episodes of Partnernomics Podcast, visit partnernomics.com. <laughs>